Hey, before we get started, I want to remind you that Truce is listener-supported. If you want to be a part of this one-of-a-kind show that asks big questions in an approachable way, become a patron. For just $5 a month, you can help me tell big stories like this upcoming season on the history of fundamentalism. And you'll get access to bonus materials. That's all at patreon.com slash trucepodcast. That's patreon.com slash trucepodcast. Hey everybody, this is Chris, the host of the Truce Podcast. Right about now, we're celebrating the three-year anniversary of when I started producing the Truce Podcast. So thank you for those of you who've stuck around for so long. We weren't scheduled to have an episode this week, but because the presidential election is coming up here in the United States, I decided to bring an old episode out of the archives. This is one of the very first ones I ever produced, so it's going to sound a little different. But I think the information is still good. Okay, here it is. Turn on the news, and you'll probably hear a story like this one from NPR. The white evangelical vote is a big part of the Alabama electorate, and we've called Penny Young Nance, president of Concerned Women for America, which is a national evangelical group based in Washington. Good morning. Where Christians are linked with politicians, guys like Donald Trump and Roy Moore. Roy Moore, of course, lost his bid for an Alabama Senate seat after being accused of sexual misconduct. He lost despite an endorsement from the president and being the Republican nominee in a red state. But why did NPR decide to interview an evangelical on a political race? Because, as you may know, Roy Moore is a professing Christian. Many of his supporters were too. And when it came time to deal with his history of sexual harassment, his actions clashed with his faith. To the surprise of many, though, his Christian base stayed by his side, despite serious allegations. NPR called up this woman to see how his actions could possibly coexist with a Christian faith. This is not a unique conversation. A lot of people are asking these questions, as they should. In the last few years, Christians have moved from our place as followers of the gospel to a voting block, a prize to be won by any candidate. So we get associated with guys like Roy Moore, for better or for worse. I'm Chris Sterren. This is Truce. God is a genius storyteller, and the evidence of this is threaded throughout Scripture. In Christianity Today's new show, Holy Curiosity, with me, Kat Armstrong, we explore storied connections threaded throughout Scripture from the Old Testament to the New. Our first miniseries, Connecting Dinah and the Woman at the Well, welcomes experts like Drs. Tim Mackey and Diane Landberg to give us insight and context into the physical location and meaning of these two stories. These stories will spark holy curiosity in your own faith, because once you see these connections, you can't unsee them. God wastes no person, place, or thing. Listen and subscribe to Holy Curiosity with Kat Armstrong on your favorite podcast platform. Roy Moore lost, but Donald Trump did not. He's now president of the United States, 
Now, regardless of your politics, it's worth examining how we got here. How have evangelicals become tied to Donald Trump? It really kicked into gear with Dr. James Dobson. Uh, you probably know this guy. Dobson founded media companies like Focus on the Family and Family Talk. He's a big deal. Has been for a long time. Many of us heard about the Trump evangelical connection when Dobson was caught on tape. Uh, maybe you remember this. It was June 21st, 2016, an invite-only gathering at the Marriott Marquis Hotel in New York City. The purpose of the gathering was to court evangelical leaders to the Trump campaign. It was a crowded ballroom with media swarming the place. Author, celebrity pastor, and podcaster Michael Anthony pressed in through the crowd for an interview with James Thompson. I mean, he did accept uh, uh, a relationship with Christ. I know the person who led him to Christ. Really? And that's fairly recent. Michael Anthony's interview went viral. This quote was published in major newspapers like the New York Times. Dobson is a voice that media outlets go to when they need a quote. And here he is saying unequivocally that candidate Donald Trump is a Christian. In July of that year, he walked it back on CBN. I did not say that Donald Trump is a believer. It was reported in newspapers, probably a thousand newspapers around the country. I didn't say that. Okay, so he didn't so much as walk back his statement. In instead, he denied ever having said that Trump was a Christian, which means he lied. Still, the retraction didn't have the legs that the endorsement did. And Dobson has continued to support Donald Trump as president, even serving on his faith advisory council. The Council is this collection of faith leaders who've come together to give Donald Trump advice. Of course, James Dobson isn't the only one actively tying Christianity to the president. Far from it. Well, take Michelle Bachman. She's also on the Advisory Council. Bachman is a former House representative and presidential candidate who regularly makes the rounds on the Christian media circuit. Here she is in July of 2017 on the show Understanding the Times from an episode titled confusingly, when nations have distress with perplexity. He is a man who I do believe understands who the God of the Bible is, and he wants to lift up the God of the Bible here in the United States. On the show, Bachman is a staunch advocate of Donald Trump as a Christian. She's been featured in the Huffington Post, CNN, and of course, Breitbart, linking Donald Trump to Christianity. Now, maybe the most influential spokesperson for Donald Trump is Paula White, TV host, celebrity pastor for the Prosperity Gospel, a woman who, along with her first husband, was once investigated by the U.S. Senate for using tax-exempt donations for extravagant personal use. The other televangelists tele under investigation include Randy and Paula White of Withwelt Walls International Church based in Tampa. She's been instrumental. It was Paula White who assembled Trump's Faith Advisory Council, and she too does the media circuit. She even offered a prayer at the inauguration. We ask that you would bestow upon our president the wisdom necessary to lead this great nation. See, white is an important link. Some charismatic and Pentecostal Christians see Trump as fulfilling God's work in the world. After all, if God delights in giving monetary blessings to his people, why wouldn't you vote for Trump? He's all about cutting taxes and boosting industry. Dobson, White, and Bachman aren't the only people praising Trump. There's also Jerry Falwell Jr., president of Liberty University. 
TV evangelists like Kenneth and Gloria Copeland, a previous president of the Southern Baptist Convention, megachurch pastors, radio preachers, many leaders use their platforms to tie Donald Trump to their faith. Meanwhile, Donald Trump continues to demonstrate that he doesn't really know the basic tenets of Christianity. Here's what Donald Trump had to say on C-SPAN when asked if he's ever asked God ever for forgiveness. Asked God for forgiveness. <laughs> I'm not sure I have. I just go and try and do a better job from there. I don't think so. I think I, if, I, if I do something wrong, I think I just try and make it right. I don't bring God into that picture. I don't. Not a great answer. Faith in Christ starts with repentance. How can you see Christ as atoning for your sins if you don't really see the need for forgiveness? Trump is not an easy sell. So why do it? We know what the president gets from cheerleaders like Paula White and James Dobson, but what do evangelicals get in return? The answer is that these people want to repeal the Johnson Amendment. The Johnson Amendment was introduced in 1954. It was named for then-Senator Lyndon Johnson, who would later become president. Here's what the Johnson Amendment does. It stops tax-exempt organizations like houses of worship and nonprofits from explicitly endorsing or denouncing a political candidate. So, for example, if your pastor gets on stage and says, Every Christian in this congregation must vote for Donald Trump. Or, A vote for Donald Trump is a vote for Satan himself. Your church could lose its tax-exempt status. And many churches rely on their tax-exempt status, not just because it cuts down on expenses, but also because congregants can write off their tithes, no exempt status, and people are likely to give less money to places of worship. Fear of losing the write-offs is enough to keep most churches away from endorsing candidates. On the other side, there are those who are against the amendment, saying that it encroaches on free speech, which is a fair point. An American citizen, if they're speaking from the pulpit, can't endorse one candidate over another. And yet, the Johnson Amendment protects elections from certain financial abuses. Here is Matthew Bulger of the American Humanist Association on C-SPAN. Now, okay, I understand his title is, you know, probably offensive, but just listen to what he has to say. If the amendment is repealed, houses of worship would be able to solicit donations for political candidates from their parishioners and parishioners who do give to churches uh, for eventual political donations to candidates uh, would be able to do so on a tax-deductible basis. That's right. If the Johnson Amendment were repealed, wealthy people and maybe even corporations might be able to funnel campaign contributions through churches and get a tax break in the process. It would also eliminate what little transparency we have in political donations. And of course, churches want free speech. But Republican lawmakers want tax-free, untraceable campaign financing. This is a deal that people like James Dobson, Michelle Bachman, Paula White, and others are willing to strike. All they have to do is convince us that Donald Trump is a Christian. Yet, despite their efforts, a George Barna study shows that only 15% of evangelicals believe that Donald Trump is authentically Christian. 15%. Maybe we see something that these quote-unquote leaders don't. We're not buying what they're selling. Whereas they're willing to gamble with Trump in exchange for the Johnson Amendment, 
Voters hitch their wagon to him for different reasons. Uh, you've probably heard this number before. In 2016, 81% of white evangelicals voted for Donald Trump, which is a big number. But is it really that out of the ordinary? Despite the shock value often associated with 81%, it ought not come as a surprise. Because Trump wasn't just a candidate. He was the Republican nominee. Miriam Renaud analyzed Pew Research Center data for the University of Chicago. What she found was that 78% of white evangelicals voted for George W. Bush in 2004, 74% for John McCain in 2008. When it came time to vote for a Mormon presidential candidate in Mitt Romney, it was 78%, or only 3% less than voted for Donald Trump. 3%. For a candidate who was public about being LDS, a completely different faith. Maybe Trump's allure has nothing to do with his actual beliefs. It's just a continuation of a trend. White evangelicals generally cast their lot with Republicans. Before I read the data, I thought it was because evangelicals typically vote pro-life. And I was wrong again. When the Pew Research Center asked evangelicals what issues mattered the most, and they could pick more than one, 89% said terrorism and 87% said the economy. Immigration, Supreme Court appointees, and education were all higher on the list than abortion, which came in at only 52%. When it comes to voting, we're more concerned about the shrinking middle class than unborn babies. White evangelicals hitched their wagon to Trump because they thought he could help the economy and protect the country against terrorism. Not because of his supposed faith, but in spite of it. Because white evangelicals are worried about their money and their safety. Not illegitimate concerns. A safe and prosperous country is a positive goal, but it all comes at a cost. Instead of Christianity being known for helping the poor, orphans, and sharing the gospel, we're tied to our politics. Our blind eye to Trump's faults reflects heavily back on us. Take this clip from Saturday Night Live in January of 2018. The president has an extramarital affair with a porn star right after his wife gives birth to a son. Then he pays the porn star to shut up. Does it even matter to say his evangelical base? Uh, to evangelicals, of course it matters. It, it's, it's against everything that they stand for. You'd think so, but no. They say he's just repented and they forgive him, and Mike Pence is like, this my dude. Despite what you think of pop culture, it's calling Christians out as hypocrites. Are we okay with that? If nothing else, I want to leave you with that question. Are we okay with the deal that is being made in the name of Christ? In our name? Donald Trump is building a wall. And it's not between the U.S. and Mexico, it's between Christianity and the rest of the world. For now, we want to believe this wall is for our protection, but that wall is keeping us from reaching out, from doing the work of Christ. And when the wall comes down, there's no telling how violent will be the fall. Hey, this is Chris again from The Present. I just wanted to thank you for listening to The Truce Podcast. Again, this is a listener-supported podcast, which means I need your help to continue making this show. So if you'd like to give a little bit of money to keep this thing going, visit trucepodcast.com slash donate. 
and you can keep these creative and interesting projects coming. We'll be back next week with a really important episode that's been on my heart for literally months, and I'm super excited to talk to you about it. Um, So subscribe to The Truce Podcast so you get every new episode as it's released, and thanks for listening. I'm Chris Steeran, and this is Truce. Hello, everyone. I'm Dr. James Thompson, the president of Family Talk, and uh, we had an incredible meeting at as you've already heard with the president. There's a great deal of love between uh, these evangelical leaders and the congregations that they represent, and I think the president in return. Some of you will remember the uh, meeting that took place in New York City at the Marriott Hotel in June, uh, the year before the, uh, the election. And uh, I just had a chance to say a word or two to the president, and I told him I think that's when he won the hearts and minds of evangelicals, and for good reason. He has kept all the promises that he made to us, including the jo- the 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 uh, 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 yeah the Johnson administration. I mean the Johnson amendment, uh, which is about to be overridden. And so it's a pleasure to, uh, to be here today to honor a man that we deeply love. Thank you.